Welcome to episode 130 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. On the panel this week, we have Drew Baker. Hi, I'm Drew at DrewBaker.com. Kieran Yanner. Hi, I'm Kieran Yanner at KieranYanner.com. Patrick McAvoy. And I'm Megaflowgraphics at PatrickMcAvoy.com. No, wait. Strike that, reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you now? We're our agents show there, aren't we, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> and I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And uh, it's been a little while, guys. It's been a little while. I just wrapped up a semester of teaching, which was uh, taking up every spare moment, it seemed. And uh, now, of course, my son is entering the terrible twos, which means he has opinions, but he cannot be reasoned with. So, uh, <laughs> it's an exciting time to say the least, but, uh, you know, I don't we, miss those times. <laughs> he's still, he's still oodles of fun though. We have a, uh, we got a question actually from, uh, Frostfire. And, uh, the question is how often do you use models in your work and what sorts of things do you do to up your game? So I'll just take a quick uh, show of hands. How many of you guys use models in your work? I know Kieran does. Oh my God. Oh, yep. You are you're practically a part-time photographer, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I photograph. I've tried to to source some local models. I've decided I really need to let people in town know what I do so that it's not super creepy if I try to talk to the cat <laughs> at the grocery store. <laughs> uh, use some local models, use some friends, things like that. Uh, it it improved my work a lot when I started doing that. I've also used Maybe he didn't mean figure models. Uh, I've used rough 3D models for architecture, background, mm. things like that. Uh, I've recently bought a resin elephant, uh, a little model elephant, uh, because I've got a, a project of my own that I'm working on that I need uh, to paint an elephant repeatedly. I thought it would be good <laughs> to have a, a 3D model for that. So yeah. models are good, even if they're you know just quick sculpty then you knock together as a maquette. Yay, mm-hmm. models. Yep. yep. I, I'm with you. I, I use uh, models whenever uh, possible. Uh, and then I uh, also, uh, I, I don't take my own photos as much as you guys, uh, but I have a subscription to a couple of different um, uh, photo uh Reference accounts, and I'll use those sometimes. Uh, I won't, I won't steal things off the web, uh, although a lot of people do. <laughs> but you know, in a pinch, I'll go and buy a buy a photo and yeah. things. That is my model. Full disclosure: uh, I've probably done every nefarious thing you should not do. So <laughs> I- <laughs> not saying I've never stolen off the web, but I've gotten out of that the last few years. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I haven't yet gone around to uh, bother people in my area to do that. I usually just ask friends, but uh, that's a really good idea. I remember reading that uh, that's something a lot of the uh, artists back in the golden age of illustration are well-known for, uh, like, uh, oh, that Saturday Evening Post guy was was super well-known for using all of his hometown people. Uh, what is the name I just Norman forgot. Rockwell. Thank you. <laughs> there was a, he's actually from our neck of the woods. And, uh-huh. um, there was, well, he, he had a, what was it, Stockbridge, uh, I believe it was Stockbridge uh, in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. And uh, there was a story in which uh, he needed to have, in one particular cover assignment, he needed to have a child crying. Uh, infant, and uh, apparently the mother decided that that would be the perfect opportunity to stick this child with a pin ah. in order to get, you know, re- verisimilitude, you know what I'm saying? It's really solid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think she, I don't believe he asked her to model again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. The, life, so like, life, life was cheap in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but uh oh yeah no for me I, I don't often have an opportunity to to work with a model i pretty much just have to time photos of myself and it looks you know i i, I will say without shame that i've played male and female leading roles in many of my own paintings <laughs> well, you know, 
sadly. Oh, yeah, well, I've done, I've done, you know, my torso and then stock photo head of someone else, and it, just whatever you need to get the information you need. There was exactly. We had one book cover I did. I had a, a stock photo for the face, and so I set up my lighting to match that, and then. I you know, took photos of myself for the sewing legs and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, uh, uh, I sometimes I just go to photo booth on my Mac. Oh yeah, and take a picture of my hands or whatever. <laughs> me too. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so easy. Well, it's the only way for me to get a properly timed shot. I have to step back. You know, I can. I have three seconds to assume the pose, if you will, in front of the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that with a. <laughs> I can't do that with just a regular camera. But uh, I also have to say because I don't worry as much about lighting as uh, Kieran and I assume Drew. Uh, you know, I'll set up a light or two these days and just take a photo with my uh, iPhone. I have not used my actual camera for. I've got a I've got a pretty good digital camera, but my iPhone is just as good and so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, you and your pragmatism. <laughs> there was actually a really good article by Dave Palumbo in Muddy Colors uh, this this past week, and uh, apparently Dave Palumbo uses an intervalometer. He connects it yep. to his uh, oh. digital SLR camera. Are, and aren't those what ate all the people in Jurassic Park? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> With the neck frill. But they are really reliable at pushing a shutter release. It's really something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, apparently you can just, you know, and it'll just take timed shots every few seconds, whatever you set it to. And then it'll give you opportunity to get into position and then experiment with different poses. And uh, it, that, that's not a bad way to go about it. Another method is actually to use your uh, your digital camera as a video recorder, and uh, that's one method I've used. And that can be a little bit easier than trying to take individual shots because you can just um, let the camera roll, get into your position, try several different poses over the course of uh, whatever, you know, thirty seconds, and then after that you can just go into the the video file and you can just pull up any number of frames that will might inform what you're doing, versus having to do a lot of individual shots. I have done both of those. Mm. But uh, I do like that approach. That helps out. When I have to draw a creature or or a particular animal, I'm pretty careful to just use... uh, I tend to just gather a lot of reference, and uh, I'll formulate my own poses for the most part rather than try to replicate a photo that I didn't take. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, oftentimes that photo just will not be quite what I need, so I'll, you know, I'll end up taking lots of different reference from the, the yeah. internet, particularly. Well, that, that happens even with when you're when you're taking reference photos. I'm, oh yeah, I'm terrible at actually remembering what my sketch looks like when I'm shooting the model. If I don't have that in front of me, I have oh. to come up with another session. Right? It's, I put I put really my sketch. I put my sketch right in front of me after too many times of doing just that. <laughs> I've got, sometimes I've got my camera in one hand and the sketch in the other, and I'll just look back. <laughs> and then if I'm working with someone else, I will, will print it mirrored for them to have a copy to look at also. Oh, that's uh, smart. That's cool. Yeah, oh, Yeah, because I, I just research is their problems and hope that overcomes my shortcomings but there was you know there was that danger when you're re- reproducing you know sometimes a, a really dramatic shot of an animal will hit the internet and you can you'll you just know if you just pay attention you'll see that that animal, that same shot show up in a bunch of paintings over the course of the next year uh, yeah. you know and yeah you know, like or sometimes uh, i'll see a picture uh just out of the blue and it'll inspire something like my uh, cousins took a trip to ireland last year and they they sent me a bunch of great photos of them you know walking around these old irish uh, castle ruins and I, I like promptly used one of those as the center piece of a uh, book cover I was doing. So you know, it, you never know where the inspiration will come from with a photo reference. Oh sure, I think there was, it was someone actually posted on Facebook. I think it was. <laughs> so it was a photo of an owl or something like that flying towards the camera. I said, "Well, get used to seeing this owl in the next year." <laughs> 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 but uh um toys too uh toys oh yeah i think uh, yeah, drew, drew was mentioning his little elephant <laughs> nudge nudge uh <laughs> and uh yeah when i was doing um world war kaiju uh 
you know, my my graphic novel available on Amazon. Uh, Smoothly I, slipped in there, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I ended up with a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, Japanese monster models that I could, you know, they, do, they don't necessarily look exactly like the ones I was doing, but, you know, they've got scales and they've got tusks and they've got all sorts of things. So, you know, they, they make great... Uh, uh, models uh, alligators make a great monster model too. Little little toy alligators. Uh, I've got some of those, and I've got uh, you know several horses. I you know nobody likes drawing horses except the uh, psychotic. Uh, well, I often and, joke that mine look like dogs with hooves. <laughs> well, just go to uh, you know garage sales and swap meets and find uh, some briar some models. Horse model. Horse yeah, models. Briar. Horse yeah. models. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to get super expensive. I mean, some of them are very expensive. You know, some good horse models are 30, 40, 50 bucks. So I've, I think I spent 20 on one that was really great once, but, uh, you know, I've got a lot of really inexpensive ones. I'm, I'm going to jump in as a star Wars purist and say, don't use a cheap action figure for Darth Vader. It just looks terrible. <laughs> You've got to use good Darth Vader reference, please. Oh, yeah. Who has the best manufactured toy for Darth Vader, do you think? Oh, I, I have no idea. I bought the full-sized hel- helmet. and uh, Oh, whoa. Yeah. And then I bought a good one, because it turned out the first one was crap. Did, oh, no, did, well, did you? Because I shouldn't be on eBay at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> did, <laughs> did, did you walk down to the living room with, with it, you know, and your wife is sitting on the couch and says, she just turns to you and says, aren't you a little short for Darth Vader? <laughs> no, it's actually my, my six-year-old Darth Vader helmet. She is. Oh. I get points for that reference, right, guys? Points? Yeah. High fives? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> or else you, you get our scorn for outing us for how old we are that we immediately knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you guys think of I, – I, I, I'm – and it's really cool that you're using 3D models here and there, Drew. I thought that's interesting. But you, mm-hmm. you've noticed that some people are using um, poser models and just dropping them into their their, their paintings, yeah, relatively unaltered. I mean, does that not? I mean, I mean, you and I, everybody here, I think, pretty much knows what a poser model looks like on the skin. I mean, that's or even skin. You, they just have these telltale marks. Yeah. Yeah, mm. if you're going to use them, uh, and I do. I, well, I don't use Poser. I use Daz 3D, which okay. is similar. Uh, I use but, both. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just you can absolutely use them. You just have to know uh, actual anatomy, and if you do, you can you can go in and touch up the photos before you or touch up the renders before you use them. You know, uh, change the anatomy so it's less wonky. Uh, you know, uh, give things a little more naturalistic feel. Yeah, I, I do this real thing when I do a DAS model. I'll, I'll, you know, do it mostly get the lighting and then the rough, uh, you know, placement of the limbs and the size they would be from that camera angle and whatever. And then I'll just turn it into some weird Frankenstein thing as I, you know, <laughs> move things around and increase sizes and lower sizes and, uh, you know, draw. Well, you also know how to make anatomical corrections that the, you know, that the the models themselves might not be able to. uh... Yeah, that's, that's what I, I I try for at least. And then uh, I never, ever render anything with clothes. If I really need a model with clothes, I take a photo of somebody with clothes but never, ever, ever use 3D clothing as a model. It would be <laughs> my thing. Get, get good at knowing what the hell clothes look like and yeah. then use your model as something to draw clothes on top of. I've, I've used simulated fabric for reference. Oh, have you? In some of my paintings, yeah. yeah I had a, a horse with a bunch of tassels on it, so I built a, a tassel and uh, uh-huh. simulated a bunch of wind and bouncing and things like that. Oh, well, and you it, did it yourself. I'm sorry. I should say out of the box. Uh, you did. A, I'm sure you did a great job by modeling it yourself. Oh, yeah. no. It was, it was terrible. I have a, a hard and fast <laughs> rule that my 3D models have to be crap. Otherwise, that's a rabbit hole I would just disappear <laughs> into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> 
Well, you know, that being one aspect of all this, I mean, we can move on to the second part of this question. I mean, what sorts of things do you do to up your game? I mean, the model, I think, using of both live models and 3D models in, in, in their correct places or, you know, the best places for your workflow, your process, is one thing. Um, what are some of the things that you do to up your game? What are you, you, know, what are you aspiring to with your work, and how do you uh, manipulate the tools and the process to make that happen? Perhaps that's the, uh, maybe that's an aspect of this question. I thought, uh, Drew, you had, you... who wants to go next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, yeah. I've learned a lot from workshops, um, you know, from the, it started with, with the illustration after that for a while. I, I started taking workshops with other painters, uh, you know, portrait painting, the portrait society conference and I uh, took workshops with. Oh, okay. So, you know, continuing your education. Michelle Dunway. Yeah, trying to learn, trying uh, new things, new ways of doing things. And when I started, it, I did not use models. Well, when I very first started, I used a lot of reference, and then I learned a lot of bad habits that I needed to break. Um, and so, yeah, learning uh, new ways to work, learning from other artists, and trying new things is what I do. I don't know where I'm going with it. No, I, I do. You know that one. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm learning what I can. I'm I'm, I'm learning how to paint with oils. And that uh, one afternoon spent with you was very helpful to me. You know, I could say that was a uh, that was huge for me. I had taken. You know, I had used oil paint in college, but it's not as though um, a lot of the teachers were going to guide me through to make a finished illustrative piece. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily have a lot of the little tips that could help me to uh, get through a process faster. Like for instance, laying down a couch of oil on the painting surface, that was never taught to me. <laughs> my teachers, yeah. that was, unless that's a newer practice, my teachers did not share that little tidbit with me or anybody. <laughs> um, so, okay. and, and Kieran has also gotten into uh, oil painting in the last year or so. Any, anything oh, you'd like to share? Um, <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, uh, I haven't had a lot of experience with it, so it's, um, just trying to make the time, but at the same time, I'm trying to also do my own personal work. And um, yeah, so no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no tips or tricks. Uh, the only thing I guess would be, um, uh, yeah, pre-mixing your palette um, was a huge help um, for me. And then getting a, um, a gray palette gray palette paper instead of white palette paper. Um, that was also a big help for um, making sure the values were right and stuff. So. Mm. Yeah. Good tips. Anything else you've done uh, that's sort of new and different and recently to up your game? Um, uh, uh, I, I tend to work more with actors and actresses now rather than models. Um, ah, that has yielded better results to me um, as far as uh, photo reference. Um, uh, That's a good tip. I guess yeah, I, had, I had heard to use artists. I hadn't thought about using actors. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So um, uh, actually, Cynthia and Sarah and Mark um, have all posed for me uh, recently. Yep. Um, nice. And yeah, it, it, again because. Artists are used to pulling character and understanding pose and things like that. Yep. That often is is really good. So it it didn't take much um, direction. Um, they would look at the the concept um, sketch that I'd done um, and then basically pull the pose pretty quick. And that's the same with actors and actresses. Um, they're much more quicker to see the character and kind of embody the character and do a really good result. Do you find you have to pay uh, actors more than you would a model or less? No, I mean, it's just... Uh, actually, a lot of them um, are kind of just starved for um, being involved in a creative process. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Seattle is, has a burgeoning film uh, and television thing going on with Amazon and whatnot, but there's a lot of people here that just want to do something um, creative, um, uh, but now I pay them the same as I do models and some of them, um, I've just, um, they've wanted to do it for, for free just to have some photo reference to show them doing some stuff. So, oh, that's great. 
Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I've uh, gotten back into using Maya, which has helped with some uh, magic gathering stuff I've been doing. Um, and um, I guess the other thing I've been doing is um, uh, I don't know what it would be called in, um, in general illustration terms, but I've found um, when I approach drawing now and painting with values, um, I'm using ambient occlusion um, uh, when I approach shadows. Um, okay. And that seems to be yielding more realistic feeling um, lighting when I paint. Um, and, I mean, it's just literally it's something I've just been doing the past couple weeks. Um, but it, it does definitely seem to have helped um, my understanding of, of shadows um, and even um, values in work to separate foreground and um, background and important elements and, and things like that. Um, I've kind of felt a lot of my work has been somewhat flat uh, in dimensionally um, and um, sort of using an ambient occlusion kind of technique um, has kind of helped um, give more dimension. That makes sense. Ambient occlusion is... Um, also called proximity shadows. Is that what it is? I think so. I think that's what I've heard it called before, proximity shadows, where yeah. things are close to each other and they block light from getting to... Yeah, um, and yeah. then that kind of goes into, um, like, passage or lost edges and whatnot. Mm. Um, that all kind of falls together. Um, so I, I just feel more confident in kind of understanding that now. Um, uh, going back and forth with uh, Tyler, um, uh, he, uh, Tyler Jacobson, is, um, uh, he had a teacher in, um, uh, God, what was it, the Art Institute in um, no, the Academy of Art in San Francisco that... Um, uh, he would do the reverse. He would do shadows as, as sharp, and then he would lose the edges on um, lit areas, um, uh, which um, I kind of think I'm doing the opposite. Um, so I don't really understand that process too much. I guess I do in a way that where like light glows, so you have more blooming kind of going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, anyway, so. Yeah, that's, I guess, just different things I'm kind of trying to use and to, to push myself. Um, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that was a damn Damned helpful. <laughs> well, you should end this episode on a high note like that, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> so yes challenge yourself look out you know seek new ways of looking at things and doing things that's where you swap out your medium try a different uh try different techniques like play with the lighting that you work with all sorts of things right to Absolutely. summarize to Absolutely. summarize yeah <laughs> well let's see here we got uh do we have any additional oh. listener questions oh, oh wait wait uh yes. Yes, Drew had suggested a really professional and awesome segue here. Oh, yes. Um, because we were talking about new things we're doing, and Jeremy had been asking me um, about uh, working with Manga Studio lately. Yes. And I'm very, uh, very excited about it. I had, uh, I had put it on my computer, gosh, uh, close to a year ago. And I hadn't uh, really played with it much. And I decided recently, since I'm doing a, a graphic novel that's completely black and white, that was a good time to start playing with that rather than doing it in Photoshop or ink. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to get ink on their hands, really? Exactly. Exactly. Fish pee in it. Um <laughs> No, wait, that's not me. <laughs> that's not quite the quote, but it's right. <laughs> uh, 
so uh, yeah, I've been uh, experimenting with it and doing doing it for the last uh, only the last uh, week, little over a week, week and a half. I did a couple pages using it now, and um, I would like to report that it is in fact very awesome. So anybody who is doing black and white. To sort of ink approximation or any kind of black and white work really at all and using Photoshop, I'd highly recommend grabbing a copy of Manga Studio. Uh, you can get version uh, 4, uh, you know, use it, there it's on version 5, but uh, there's really not a lot of ver- difference between the versions. So you can get version 4 pretty cheap. Also, they have sales every once in a while. So keep an eye out for that. I got mine on a big super sale last year. Um, and it's, uh, why should one use it as opposed to Photoshop? That's a good question. Um, who asked that? Uh, you did. Oh, okay. Yes. Good question, <laughs> Patrick. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, as I am, you're used to, you know, drawing, basically drawing lines in Photoshop. And you, you kind of get used to Photoshop's limitations almost on a subconscious level. Um, one of the big ones, which, you know, I've been overcoming in Photoshop with my tablet and pen for year. I think I've been using a Wacom for gosh, 14 years now, 15 years, a long time. You get used to the fact that if you draw a long, smooth line in Photoshop and you try to do it slowly, it's going to wiggle with every little, you know, microscopic wiggle that your hand makes. That wiggle's going to show up in Photoshop. And you get used to doing very confident, long, fast strokes, which is great. You should do that anyway. But... Uh, Manga Studio has a fantastic uh, line drawing engine that uh, compensates for that wiggle. And if you, you know, turn it, and you can change it, you know, to certain amounts from zero to a whole lot, uh, I think is the upper number. Uh, the <laughs> so seven? Or... <laughs> it's, it's exactly... <laughs> Is it, is it five? They can't count above and uh, water shift down. <laughs> it goes from zero to five. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the, the amazing thing is you can do these long, very beautiful strokes and yet, you know, plan exactly where they're going. So you don't have to do them 20 times and undo 20 times. Uh, you know, even if you're doing it on a, uh, uh, Cintiq, you know, it, it, it's like those long, beautiful lines come out a little not quite how you want them in terms of the, I don't know, the beauty of the curves. There's just a difference that Manga Studio brings to it. And it's almost like it's reaching into my brain and saying, this is the, the curve you wanted to make. It's, <laughs> it, it's an amazing difference in inking. Uh, I just... Uh, uh, think it's it's a wonderful thing and it and it's faster than photoshop in terms of photoshop every once in a while it lags a little bit even on a really good computer you know it just it you can feel it lagging just a touch and i've never felt manga studio lag at all i mean it's right there with me and i again it's one of those things i didn't even notice photoshop was lagging a little bit till i went into manga studio and i said what's happening it's drawing before i even want it to and i oh no <laughs> <laughs> my brain was just used to this tiny lag um, and that's that's a wonderful thing and it works really well uh doing um aliased work so if you are working for black and white you know the best way to to do black and white really is uh, uh, when you're working traditionally, you do your inks and then you scan them in at 600 DPI in uh, bitmap mode. A little pro tip for everybody. don't know if you knew that. Uh, (laughs) So that gets a super sharp look to it. Um, And if you're doing comics work in Photoshop, um, you either have to work, you know, with the regular 
uh, brush tool and then sharpen it or, you know, uh, go into levels and bring it way down. Or you have to work with their pencil tool, which frankly really sucks. It's got lousy uh, interpretation of the, um, uh, the pen. You know the the hardness and softness of the pen. You you just your line thick and thin is clunky. Uh, whereas in Manga Studio, you know it's made to do aliased lines, and so they're just beautifully smooth, and they interpret you know where to do the stair stepping just right. So it looks really fantastic. You can work in grayscale mode too if you like. Uh, you don't have to work in bitmap, but that's all there. Um, and then that leads me to another thing. Uh, each uh, layer can be uh, vector or uh, pixels, and they look virtually the same. If you do your lines in uh, vectors, you can go back and uh, move them around. So <laughs> as you're doing them, they look exactly like your bitmap lines, and, but then you can go back and, and move them either one end or the other or from the middle, depending on how you set it. Is there uh, any performance yet? None, uh, whatso- none whatsoever. Nothing I've noticed. And I've done okay. loads of layers, too. Uh, so that's fun. And it's, it's also real easy to turn your layer into a guide layer, you know, that's, that's uh, blue or whatever color you like to work in. And uh, then, speaking of layers, they've got a little trick up their sleeve that I've never seen anybody implement like this before and it's so easy it's so easy to do once you get used to the paradigm you create a ruler layer and that means you can draw with your pen along a ruler uh which doesn't seem like a lot you know in photoshop you can do a vector line and you can trace the vector line and ooh, doesn't that look good but the thing the difference is that in uh manga studio you're tracing along that line with your hand, you know, so you can do uh, variations of thick and thin or off and on, you know, as you tap through the ruler. And then the ruler is everywhere on the page. So at its very simplest, you can set up a simple line ruler to go in one angle, and then every single line on the page goes along that angle in parallel. Or you can do it radiating from a point. So every line comes out of that radiated point. Or you can do a curved line radiated from a point, or any sort of uh, vector line you want can be a ruler it, on a ruler layer. So you can, you know, do any Bezier curve, and it'll trace along that Bezier curve. Then it gets into the real magic, which is perspective rulers. And you can set up a one, two, or three point perspective uh, anywhere you want. And it'll draw along that perspective. So, like, let's say you set up a three-point perspective. Let's say you sketch a little city that's in three-point perspective. You know, you're look, let's say you're looking up at the uh, skyline from the street, and you sketch that. Then you just bring up the, a ruler layer in three-point perspective, and you set your uh, three points to match uh, one of the... Or two, actually, each has two of the... Th- of the lines. Uh, how can I describe that? Each there's three points and each of those points has two lines radiating out of it. And you set each of those two lines to follow along one of your perspective paths. Uh, I might not be describing it really well, but anyway, you get those lines following along your sketch roughly. Mm -hmm. And then everything you draw is going to be in perspective from that point onward. You just start your uh, you start your line roughly going in the direction of whichever of the three perspective points you want, and your line will follow that perspective line down to the vanishing point. It just snaps to it, or it just snaps to it. Well, that sounds like it's worth the price of admission, right there. It's it's insane. You can draw you know anything in three point perspective or two or one. Uh, without even thinking about it. Plus, it's not like you have to stroke lines and everything's this dead line. It, it's all done with your hand, you know, drawing technique. 
except it's snapping along that line. Wow. It's it's really cool, and, it, yeah. and, and it's it's incredible just for sketching. In fact, <laughs> I set up a super rough sketch of something in three D. Set up that. Uh, 3D ruler, and then I can just do my layout, and my layout's all in perspective. See, one of the things that I often have difficulty with is when I'm working at larger scales, having to, if I have to do a perspective um, drawing, that means I have to <laughs> attach pieces of cardboard to extend my horizon <laughs> line up to infinity <laughs> in order to, you know, hope that my yardstick is long enough. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Drew's got a better solution, or he, or he can relate to what I'm going through with that. I, I remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it sounds to me like if I were to work digitally at that stage, I could simply print it out at size and then transfer it by hand to my board versus having to try to do everything, tooled everything in, in the meat world, which can be a little bit ungainly in a smaller studio. Yeah, you could do that. If Yeah, absolutely. Although, have you bought a drafting arm? Uh, no, my my studio. No, I don't have a drafting arm in the studio. Uh, that, that does help for extended uh, perspective on the drawing board. I find Although, rather than just taping a piece of string to the wall over there where it's supposed to be. That does sound simpler, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you do have to kind of approximate. You do have to kind of approximate with the drafting arm, but it's a nice uh, it's a nice tool for that. But I yeah. could I could seriously see doing a, a detailed background, especially if it were say a town or a city, and in, mm-hmm. on the computer, and then simply transferring it to the board for painting. That would be exactly. a uh, oh, that would be a boon. Oh, I, it, yeah, that is worth the price of admission alone. I I love that. Uh, it, it, it's so it's so well implemented. Uh, it, it's just a piece of cake to use. I've been yeah. drawing a panel through this conversation. The, the first time I've done that for a very long time, and uh, boy, I wish my drawing were shifted half an inch down. It sucks. I need a little more room at the top, and there's some dead space at the bottom. Uh, I've forgotten. I've been increasingly now. I'm I'm starting, as you know, I'm starting to paint with oils. And one thing I decided to do is uh, I would do my pencils, especially when I'm working on smooth, on uh, hardboard, primed hardboard. I find that the fewer marks and the fewer, the less lead I have to slap down, the better because that's, it becomes very smeary very quickly on that surface. Oh yeah, with the graphite. Yeah. So uh, now I just kind of uh, I worked up my uh, sketch and I printed it out and then transferred it by graphite method, you know, graphite transfer. And that 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 made things a little easier. I could see doing that for larger paintings, just taking it to Kinkos and my sketch to Kinkos and have it blown up to the uh, painting size and then doing a one-piece transfer versus the grid transfer I typically do. Oh, gosh. Back when I was doing large paintings, I, I would always go to Kinko's. I had uh, never yeah. did the grid transfer. I would I would go to Kinko's and have them print on watercolor paper and then do the Donato method. Uh, oh, mount the, mount the paper? Just mount mm. the paper. Yeah. That, yeah that's a nice I've, technique. I've got nothing to prove drawing-wise, so I'm all for saving time at that step. <laughs> That's <laughs> really what it's, it's come down to for me. I think is, <laughs> I'll be shameless here. I, I know I can draw. I don't have to prove it every single time. <laughs> Darn, that is such a succinct way of putting it. That is great. <laughs> yes. See, you try to tell young young artists because because we're all hoary old people. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you, you want to shake that into their head. Nobody cares how you did it. They just want results. Absolutely, very very few and specific times where people will care how you did it. But for the most part, yeah. (laughs) Unless you're just after uh, you know impressing people on your uh, on your message boards. Like, look how much hard work I had to do. You see this drawing? Yeah. This started off as just a series of pins hammered into a board. And I just did everything by hand. Just hammered it all in. And then I inked all the nails. And then I slapped the paper down like an old print. And then it's like, why would you do it that way? I hammered a ballpoint pen through my palm. <laughs> and painted with my bloody hand. 
<laughs> yeah, so you see each of those little dots on my on my painted surface? Each of those is an individual drawing <laughs> of the of the big painting. I just did a frag it's like a genuine fractal. <laughs> <laughs> this took me eighteen years. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, there was this uh, story of a guy who did a uh, just this, this uber detailed drawing of Marilyn Monroe. Have you ever watched this documentary? I think no. it was like uh, Waiting for Hockney. I think it was, I, forget, I think that's what it was called. But uh, this one artist, he spent ten years on a pencil drawing of Marilyn Monroe, and he just cobbled together his. He reproduced basically, effectively, he reproduced this famous iconic photo of her. Mm. And then, but he used multiple references to get out of the details. I mean, up to like, I mean, this guy lavished detail on eyelashes. He was, you know, and then he, you know, after ten years, he presents his drawing to Hockney, and uh, I think Hockney's answer was, "Have you ever considered doing a, a quicker sketch?" <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Validation, my friends. Validation of process. <laughs> Uh, I have I have a copy of Hockney's book uh-huh. about the the secrets of the old masters. He says everyone used, must have used optical devices of some sort, and I, there's part of me that thinks that's just because David Hockney doesn't want to accept that there are people who can draw a lot better than he can in the world. I, I agree. <laughs> there may be that that may be a factor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were like us; they were professional artists, so of course they used ocular devices when they became available. But on the other hand, yeah, they just draw really well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Are, are you saying uh, Michelangelo needed a camera obscura for the pita? Is that? I'm not saying that that would really work out. I don't know if that would work, but uh, you know, especially I, with the scale difference between Mary and Jesus, it's just. Anyway, yeah. Um, there was another system <laughs> they used, which was a glass plate with a grid, um, and they would uh, yeah. through the grid, uh, and then they would just transfer the information they saw in between the squares um, to a grid system that they had set up. On. That's right. I've heard of that one. Yeah. There, there's some, uh, yeah, there's some drawing, isn't there, of uh, uh, contemporaneous drawing of an artist using one of those. Another thing they would do with sculptures is they would do small um, sculptures and then they would fill up with sand uh, fill it, put, put it in like a container and fill, fill it up with sand and then they would remove the sand uh, and then that way it was kind of like a grid system for large scale sculptures oh interesting um, very cool well, so yeah. they would copy how, how it was kind of um, but yeah, pretty much they would cheat as much as they could to get them. <laughs> yeah. like modern day artists because they were yep. commercial artists back then. Uh-huh. You know, even though yeah, anyway. Well, yeah. even Drew Struzan. I mean, Drew Struzan. He was doing movie posters. You know, when he was doing them, and he and you know he would he would trace likenesses. He was using a projector, and why not? The, yeah. the fact is, the guy. You know, I mean, even if without the projector, he could get the likeness, but he you know, it would take a lot longer for him to do it. And when you're dealing with uh, agency deadlines, you don't oh, mess yeah, around. He would also have to like do pretty much almost fully fleshed out iterations. Of oh yeah, um, posters as well. He he never just did the one idea. There was you know a bunch of them that you have to do send off, and they would tell him you know no, we want this one. Um, so yeah, for to to painstakingly spend ten years on each face, <laughs> <laughs> you know, out of principle, isn't a very no, yes. no. Well, I mean, I saw like, in in the video the mechanic Donato, rather than laboriously redraws his photo reference, he he traces out the key land point landmarks on his board, and that made perfect sense. He doesn't have to prove to anybody that he can draw. He can draw saying rings around me. I don't have to sit, you know, I don't have to sit over his shoulder and watch him do it. You know, you know, there you go, bang, he got it down. He's on to the next stage. You know, and this way, guys like us who aren't as good as he is can say, oh, he's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> validate ourselves that way. Sure. Uh, I'm doing it correctly by not doing that. <laughs> well, it's, not anymore. Well, it's like, you know, like the people who like to argue, like to say that they don't use reference. I said, well, good for you. <laughs> you <don't laughs> it shows. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've I've actually done a few 
pictures, uh, you know, over the years where I thought it came out perfectly fine without reference. And if that works, it's fine. But if I run into a brick wall, I, in fact, I can see that because I've done it so long, I can see the brick wall coming an hour away. And I say, no, this is going to need reference after all. But if I don't need reference, I don't need it. it whatever gets the job done quicker. Yeah. Uh, I have I have one uh, picture up on uh, DeviantArt where I, I thought I did just the most world the world's most kick ass hands with uh, you know <laughs> no reference I thought this is awesome so I made a little note on there hey no reference on the hands but it wasn't to say you should never use reference on hands it was to say ooh <laughs> that was cool <laughs> back when I was was obstinately not using reference I had one painting one piece uh, with a glove. But uh, oh, I'm back. Drew's back. Hey. We want to hear the glove story. Oh, so so I showed it to my artist friend, and he was this was Raven Memora actually, and he yeah. was singularly unimpressed because he, he sort of shrugged like, "Well, I've got gloves at home." <laughs> <laughs> you joke. I should not be so willful and obstinate and stupid and make my life hard. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't ask you if you have gloves. You know, so do you own a pair? It's <laughs> kind of shrugged it off. Ah, dang it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I'm reminded of, uh, for no reason at all, uh, uh, any, any of you guys ever listened to Queen, that old uh, rock group? Um, <laughs> I I just remember Queen, uh, their, their great album, Night at the Opera, that had Bohemian Rhapsody, has... So, so anyway, yes, on, on that album, Night at the Opera, the, uh, the Queen said uh, it has this uh, very proud note on the liner, on the cover, saying uh, no synthesizers were used in this, uh, in this album. And then, of course, <laughs> in another album or two, they became, you know, almost a completely synthesizer band. And it's just, it's just funny that now here we are, you know, 30 years later, and absolutely nobody cares whether or not they use synthesizers on their own. <laughs> it's sort of the same with art. I could, I could proudly say I use no black ink. On <laughs> yeah. I mixed every color on my palette to make black, and from there. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's the end of the day. I guess people really don't really care how hard you worked on something, you know. So if you're well, yeah, it's like those folks who labor to make one medium look like another. Oh yes, I worked for hours to make this watercolor look like an oil painting. Well, why didn't you just you use uh, <laughs> you know exactly. Um, so to, to end up the uh, manga studio thing, my recommendation is if you're doing any sort of uh, black and white work, give it a try on the computer, that is. And I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, it took me, a, I would say, one full work day to really get comfy with it. But once I did, uh, it was uh, I, I just loved it. it. It's really beautiful. The The lines you get are... It's so much better than Photoshop. Hey, just a quick, uh, quick question. Does it have a, um, the ability to produce sort of a dry brush effect? Yes. Ooh. Uh, it has custom brushes. That's sexy. custom brushes. It's nice. Yeah. And it even has a, a sort of a wax pencil dry brush effect you can do in bitmap. Ah. <laughs> in bitmap mode. <laughs> I got I got my little boy here who's running around. He just woke up. Ronan is awake. Ronan the accuser. Well, I will let it be my fault. I will stay first. I actually have to get going. Okay. Well, we should uh, call it a day. Uh, it's been fun. I'll uh, I'll just set this up. Yeah, I'll just toss this audio unedited right on the internet and. Uh... No. no. <laughs> No! Oh. <laughs> Roll uncut. Shall we do our uh, customary goodbyes? Indeed, I would like to thank Drew Baker. Hi, I'm Drew at drewbaker.com. Karen Yanner. Karen at Karen Yanner at Karen Yanner.com. Patrick McAvoy. 
I'm Patrick at megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. Thank you for joining us. Cue the musication. Wait, we never said anything about missing Sokar at Gorblimey. Oh, you're right. Well, I haven't stopped recording. We can keep, we can just, you know, we can. Yeah. Sorry we didn't uh, talk to you today, Sokar. We still uh, respect your right to exist. Indeed. Now, Patrick, (laughs) I think, Patrick, you had a really great. You you came (laughs) up with a great comparison of what a day without Sarkar is like. A day without Sokar is like night. Or, or it's like a day without light things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a day where you have your eyes closed. <laughs> we will bring Sokar back for our next episode, though. That'll be fun times. <laughs> Truthfully, you know, we needed a, we needed a ladies' touch to bring it back to a, an even keel. You know, we're just a bunch of locker room guys, aren't we? Really, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty yes. much. We're, we're like the jocks in high school. <laughs> yeah. I, we were definitely the jocks in high school. <laughs> oh, anybody who's met any of us can tell that's actually kind of funny. Well, you know, I was on the high school painting team. I had to, I had to lose weight to make weight class, but... Thank you.